grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. And this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's exactly what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we hear the final message in this series called Master Plan. The big theme of this series is based on the verse in Psalms 127 that says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. So after a long life yielded to the master builder, what will be your spiritual legacy? How do you want others to remember you? Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, we hope you do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. Today is part one of the message called Built to Last. Second Timothy chapter 4 is where Pastor Sean will start off. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. Now, we are wrapping up this series, Master Plan, Master Plan. And we've walked through a process. We've seen, we started with this idea that the most important decision of your master plan is who will be the architect. I mean, we saw we all have to have a master plan, right? The, the big motto was don't be Houston. We don't want to not have a plan and just kind of throw stuff together. And we saw how we can, we can have that happen. When you decide, yes, I should have a master plan, the most important decision is who's going to be the architect. And we looked at this scripture. This is where we started out, Psalm 127.1 said, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. And I asked you then, I'll ask you again, do you believe that? Because that's the truth. And that is a very practical scripture. And it changes how we make decisions. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. We went on and looked at how a master plan won't matter if you never pause long enough to look at it. And we talked about our frantic pace and how we rush and we move and we push And how at some point we have to slow down, we have to pause. God built a pause into our weeks called Sabbath. We talked about Sabbath and the importance of just resting and kind of touching base with Father. How are we doing on the master plan? What good does it have to have one if you never pause long enough to look at it? We talked about a daily quiet time with the Lord just to kind of remind yourself of what's eternal and what matters. We saw how Jesus has a new vision, and a new vision always requires a new plan. And you remember we talked about some cornerstones of God's master plan for every one of us. All of our plans are different, but there are some elements that are the same. And remember we talked about those five decisions on the journey to real life. Follow, connect, grow, serve, share. We saw how those build us and put us in the way of the work of God's spirit. And last week we saw that building the master plan happens one decision at a time. Remember, we moved from the design phase to the building phase. And we talked about once you are following the Lord, following his master plan, you have a chance to implement that one decision at a time. And we all face little crossroads every day. Am I going to follow him or am I going to follow me? Am I going to follow the world? Am I going to follow just my desires? And those decisions are what fundamentally will build the life that has been designed for us. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this idea of legacy. It seems, okay, you get to my age, okay? You get to my age and you need a stool during your messages. Oh, wait. You get to my age and you go to these leaders' meetings, okay? And I don't care if it's it's ministry meetings or with a group of business guys. Everybody's talking about legacy and succession plans. And, you know, it's something we should be thinking about. Legacy. What's going to be left when it's all said and done? 
Because really, that's what this master plan is working towards. Working towards building something that will be the product of our lives and will shape who we are now and for eternity. What will be left when it's all said and done? What will be your legacy? Will it be a business? Will it be business that you've accomplished? Will it be an achievement of some kind? Some significant achievement? Is that the legacy? Will it be a book? Something you've written, work product you've produced? An idea you patented? Will it be money? A lot of people talk about legacy in terms of money, a financial legacy, and that's an important conversation. But is that really it? How will your life be remembered? You remember what Stephen Covey taught in uh, his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Great book, great read. Talked about begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. And that's kind of what we're talking about in this whole series, Master Plan. Begin with the end in mind. And he gives an exercise in that chapter of the book. Do you remember what the exercise was? He says, stop and envision your funeral. Now that loses a lot of people right there. Okay? A lot of people is like, you know, I don't want to do that. So I heard one leader kind of lighten it up for those who are squeamish among us. Envision your 85th birthday party or something. Okay? Where people are coming to honor you and say things about what your life has meant to them. Funerals where this generally happens. And it's unfortunate because we're not there to hear it, but envision that funeral. People be coming, be quiet, music playing, smell really nice because of flowers. You'll be up there in a box, an urn, pictures, mementos. And people will come and they will say things about you. Who are these people? Think about it. Who are they? Who's going to be there? And then what will they say? What would you like them to say? What do you want your family to say? Your children, your spouse, your extended family. How about your coworkers? What do you want them to say about you? Man, he or she could sure step on you on the way to the top. Boy, nobody, nobody could cut your throat like them. They, whoa! I don't think anybody wants that kind of thing to be shared at the funeral. And we think through all the different relationships, because that's really how this kind of works. You think through the relationships, the areas of your life where you have relationships. Maybe you're a part of a club or an activity that you've been a part of for a lot of years, and you have some relationships there. What will those people say about you? And remember, the whole exercise is begin with the end in mind. So right now, we envision that, and now we start working to make that reality. We start reorienting our lives, reprioritizing based on that vision of what we'd like said of us by the important people in our lives, the different areas of our lives. This church, school, we all have them. What will people say? And we start living our life according to a plan to help have the kind of life that we value and we want to happen be realized. We live to make that reality. That's kind of what we're talking about with a master plan. And legacy brings us to a good place because we think about 
this master plan, what's going to be left? What's the final things? What's the most important things? If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to read the whole chapter to you. Okay, it's not too many verses, 22 verses. But it is Paul's last writing. 2 Timothy 4, most scholars believe it is his last letter. And you'll see why. What he writes in this chapter, he's like, I'm near the end. This is, this is pretty much it. And this writing reveals so much about what Paul really values and how he is envisioning and has envisioned his life. We get to get a glimpse of what his legacy will be. Second Timothy 4, beginning at verse 1. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they'll turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Listen to what he says. He says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. He's in prison in Rome. He's writing. The time of my departure is at hand. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but to also all who've loved his appearing. Be diligent to come to me quickly. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he's useful to me for ministry. And Tychius, I've sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus et Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. Paul gets a little. But look at what he says. He says, you must also beware of him, for he's greatly resisted our words. At my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. And then listen to this. May it not be charged against them. No bitterness here. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Built to Last. The series is called Master Plan, which is available right now on demand on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 
302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message, Built to Last. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. So this is last letter and his final words. And you have to notice he, this is a serious letter. His tone is somewhat solemn. In fact, he gives a high and a solemn charge to Timothy. What I found interesting about this passage is we get a glimpse into, obviously, one of the great believers, the great heroes of our faith. We get a glimpse at what he considers important, most important in the world. First, it's interesting. He's in prison in Rome. He's not sitting writing letters about his defense. He's a Roman citizen. He had rights. He could have been fighting for his release, but that's not what he's doing. He's writing a letter to Timothy, his friend, partner in ministry, disciple, the one who he's mentored. That was something that was key to him. In his final days, he's writing to Timothy. Second thing we see that is really important to Paul is his faithfulness to God's call, the final measure. He says, I have been faithful. I have done what is charged with me. I have walked accordingly, and God will have a crown, a reward for me. See, that's our final measure, isn't it? That's all of our final measure. I mean, that's a prayer that I think we should all kind of keep close to our heart. May we be found faithful. We, we strive after so many things, so many different pursuits, goals, and dreams. I want to suggest the height of effectiveness in our Christian faith is if we would be found faithful. Lord, help me every day to be faithful. I mean, that's a great prayer. Lord, today, may I be faithful. Not famous, not may I be the, you know, the brightest star in the sky. Not may I be noticed, but Lord, help me to be faithful. And another thing Paul obviously considers important is people. People. Because he talks about all these people. All these different people who he's ministered to and he's invested in. We also see what he doesn't consider important. He has hardly any mention of material things. Remember what he asked for? He asked for a cloak, because he's probably cold. Dang those Roman prisons. And he's very practical. Cloak, and then some books. Especially the parchments. And, and you get a picture of the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul. At the end of his life, his possessions amounted to a small box of things. That wasn't the most important thing. See, begin with the end in mind. Paul lived with the end in mind. In that chapter, we get this sense of him living for something else. He's a part of something bigger, part of something lasting. And what he makes crystal clear is that he's not here forever, and I want to I challenge you folks, neither are we. 
He's not here forever, and neither are we. Remember what he said in verse 6 through 8. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. That's powerful. He wasn't going to be here forever, and neither are we. Every one of us will face that day. In fact, if you want a sure thing, that's a sure thing. All right, in life we're often looking for sure things. That's one right there. We don't get to stay here forever. One day we will move on. And so as we wrap this series, I want you to write this down. Make sure your master plan keeps eternity clearly in view. Make sure your master plan keeps eternity clearly in view. Don't lose sight of the big picture. And I have to tell you, we, could, we come here on weekends, and this is one of the reasons the church gathers to remind ourselves. And here it's easy to say, oh, yes, there's eternity. There's heaven. There's hell. There's God. There's the Holy Spirit. There's eternal spiritual things, and they're real. And here we nod, we take notes, and it's awesome. Problem is, tomorrow, we're going to forget about eternity. And we're going to start thinking about, like, right now. And, in fact, some of us can't even think about the day after because we're so bogged down we're so swamped today and we're gonna start making decisions about things and focusing on things that that honestly we're gonna obsess we're gonna stress we're gonna get worried we're gonna get angry over stuff that is not gonna matter in 10 years it's not nobody's gonna remember nobody's gonna care including us definitely not gonna matter in 50 or 100 years not at all And we're going to lose significant pieces of our life stressing and obsessing. Remember, make sure your master plan keeps eternity clearly in view. So many of the things that we spend so much time over, so much time worrying about, we don't get to keep it. We're going to pass it on to someone else. We're going to leave it one day. And I'm not saying we shouldn't care about our homes, about our jobs, about our retirement. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying let's keep the big picture in mind. If we were to illustrate the, our, our life here on earth in the scope of eternity, it's a pretty small sliver. And if we really believe this stuff, if we really believe what we gather here and claim to believe, that should affect our decision-making process. When we recognize this stuff here that we're interacting with, the, the jobs, the houses, the, the business, the, all this stuff is a tiny sliver in the eye of eternity. What about the rest? Make sure your master plan keeps eternity clearly in view. Don't lose sight of the big picture. Now, keeping eternity in view means remembering three things, and Paul highlighted all of them. First thing, we serve an eternal king. Write that down. We serve an eternal king. Remember what Paul said in verse 1? I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. He is the king. And there are some people who sit and go, well, but I don't believe that. See, I'm an atheist. I hate to tell you this. Do you know what you believe in that regard doesn't make one iota difference in regard to the truth? It makes a difference to you and how you'll engage with that truth. But I can say all kinds of things. I can go up to the top of a building and say, I don't believe in gravity. And then when I jump off, this is impossible because I don't believe in this. And as I'm plummeting down, 
It doesn't matter what I believe. I'm going to come to a very abrupt ending at the end of that journey. And it's not going to be pretty. Because gravity just is. And if any of this stuff means anything to us, if we believe anything, we believe that God is our king and he is eternal and we are accountable to him. Look at how Paul described him in his first letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 17. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That's the king that we serve. That's who we gather to worship. When we were singing earlier and we were worshiping, that's who we're talking about. He's not our pal. He's not the genie in a bottle. He's not that, that big brother. He's God. He's the king. And that should shape us. We live under the leadership of a king. And that kingdom of his is eternal. And one day we will give an account to how we have done. One day we will answer to the king for how we have lived. Paul kept that understanding. There is a king that I serve every day, and one day I'm going to stand before him. And I want to I hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to know that I was a good subject of the king. I want to know that I heard his voice and I followed in obedience. See, if I can just say anything to you as you're engaging this next week and the week after, remember, this is not all there is. This is not all there is. Some of you will remember, I've shared with you quite some time ago, actually, um, about a young man who was in my youth ministry when I was in California who, who actually ended up having cancer and going through a pretty tough battle and ultimately losing his life to cancer. Great kid, loved his family. His dad and I were good friends and just a, a neat, neat family. And we had already moved back here to Texas when Josh came down with cancer and started going through treatments and it started getting worse. And so um, at one point I flew back and it was pretty near the end. And we've been praying for healing, trusting for healing. But I wanted to go back and see Josh and his family. And so I went back and I remember this sense of what am I possibly going to say to Josh to bring him comfort. I remember walking up the stairs to his bedroom and just like, Lord, you got to help me. Because right now, I, I, don't, I don't have much to say because I need your comfort. I need you to speak to me. And I got nothing for Josh. You know, but doggone, I'm a pastor. I'm going to put on the, the armor of God and a happy face, and I'm going in. And I remember going into Josh's room, and he was in bed. In a few minutes, just, I mean, the, something, it was, something was different in the room, okay? There was almost an atmospheric thing you could sense. And after just a minute or so, I, I realized, okay, Josh is in a different place. He was still praying for God to heal him and knew God could heal him. He knew God is able. God does and has healed people. And yet everybody who God has healed ultimately dies. So healing is not a way to escape death. So he didn't know for sure. But he was in this sense 
this place of praying for God to heal, but he was already resolved, I'm already in eternity. I'm already in eternity. Whether I live or I die, I'm following Jesus and I'm, I'm, I'm secure in him. So Josh, this kid who was in my youth group, who I taught about eternity, right? I shared the truth of eternity with him and others. I realized, okay, he's experiencing something that I've talked about, but I haven't experienced. You ever had something like that where, you, you know, you've taught about it, something you read about, you can teach on it, but it's really different when you're actually there. And Josh was there. He, was, he had this detached sense because he recognized we're all actually already in eternity. Josh had processed and walked through this and realized if, I, if he heals me and I live, great, I'm still in, I'm eternal and one day I'll be with him. Or if he doesn't heal me of this and I pass away and I go into his presence, I'm in eternity. And he had this incredible peace and a detachment. I just remember being in awe. I don't know if I ministered much to Josh. I think just my flying back there and being there meant a lot to him, but I know he ministered to me. I know I came away like, oh, Lord, that's what it looks like. Give me that sense of living in eternity. The minute you become a follower of Jesus, you are eternal. We're all eternal. We're going to spend somewhere for eternity, right? The minute, though, I accept become a follower of Jesus Christ, I am now walking in his presence for eternity. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in this series, Master Plan, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.